your Bibles, if you would, this morning, turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Last week, we looked at a woman who worshipped God. And today, we're going to look at four men who did a great work for God. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. They came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they yet let, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose, took up thy bed, the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Gracious Father, we thank you, Lord, for once again allowing us the privilege to, to preach your word. Lord, I know that in me there is no good thing and it is impossible for me to properly proclaim your word without your power, without your strength. And once again, Lord, I ask that you, can, that you would do what I can't do, that you would speak to the hearts and minds of your people through your word, and through your spirit. And I pray if there's one in this room who's never trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today, would again, would be the opportunity for them to be the glad day to receive your dear Son as their Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love being around people that have a can-do attitude. I like people who, have, who are positive. I, I, like, I like people who... Look at the glass and say it's half full instead of half empty. Sometimes I'll, I'll kid people that I'm are with, and sometimes they'll say, the glass is half full, the glass is half full. Especially uh, some Kentucky fans that I know, who their, their team is, is losing, and I'll say, the glass is half full, the glass is half full. They can actually come back and win this game, but you got to keep the faith. And a lot of times in life, we think things are, are, are bad and they're sad, and sometimes they are, but how do we look at life? And what is the, our perception in life? I love Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We see four unnamed people this morning. Don't know their name, but you know what we know? We know they had character. And character matters. Character counts. First, we see this morning that these four men had great compassion. They had great compassion. 
The Bible says in Jude one twenty two, and some have compassion making a difference. Do you see people around you as problems or do you see people around you as potential? Recently, I read again the verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that chapter on love, it is deeply convicting, isn't it? The Bible says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. You know what I find in life? It's easy to, it's easy to love the lovely, isn't it? It's easy to love folks that are like us. But folks that are different than us are not lovely or those who have a problem. Sometimes it is not easy to love. And at those times, we must ask God to love them through us. You know what I believe is true with these men? These men saw someone who had a serious problem. He was paralyzed. And we don't know if he was paralyzed from the neck down or from the waist down. We don't know the seriousness of his condition, but we know he was paralyzed. And back in those days, when someone was paralyzed, there was no program for him. There wasn't a place for him to go. There wasn't something that, you know, they could just, a place that they could just, a home or something. When they were, when they were paralyzed, if it wasn't for their friends or family, they didn't have anything. And many times, folks who had this palsy or this, this paralyzed condition, they would they would be set up by their family or friends at a, a busy intersection and they would basically beg for their basic necessities, their food. And that's, that would be their life, their entire life. But these four saw this man in his need. They saw him in his condition. They saw him in his trouble and they decided amongst themselves to love him, to take the time to love him and do something that he could not do for himself. And that's the, that's the definition of love, isn't it? When you and I put aside, our, put aside our own needs, put aside the time that we have for ourselves and say, there is a cause and there's someone who needs our help, we must choose to love them. Because love sometimes, it's not always a feeling. Sometimes I don't feel like loving somebody. Sometimes it's, it's, it goes past want. Sometimes we not, may not want to love that a person who's in a particular situation. But we realize that when we love, we are most like God. For God is love. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been given a whole lot of love ourselves, haven't we? <laughs> when we recognize what God has done for us in sending his, his son so we could have everlasting life, our sins are forgiven, we have a home in heaven, we recognize the great love he's bestowed upon us. How can we not love other people? And when we see other people in trouble, in difficulty, in pain, do something for them. Or you can show love to the sinner. The greatest thing you can do for another person is tell them that Jesus loves them. The greatest thing I can do for somebody that I don't know is take a gospel track out of my pocket and say, friend... This is the best news I can ever give you. I might know, not know your name. I might not know your occupation. 
I might not know where you're from. I might not know anything about you, but I know one thing. We're all sinners, and we all need Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And I can give that to that person with the hope that they'll read it, and they'll understand it. And by the grace of God, they'll be saved. That's the wonderful thing we can do for every person. We can give them the gospel. We can invite them to church. We can tell them about Gospel Baptist Church and invite them. You say, I'm not very good at, at speaking. I'm not very eloquent. I don't know what to say. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. Invite. Invite. Invite them to come and to sit in the seats where you're sitting this morning so they can hear the Word of God. How many people have been saved because they got an invitation to church? I invite folks to come to special events like a graduation ceremony for high schoolers or for, or, for K, or for K-5 graduates because at those events, though they may not darken the door of a regular church service on Sunday morning, they would come to a, a special event like a graduation and at those graduation or at a play or, or some other special event, a want affair, we're going to present the gospel and they have an opportunity to be saved. We show them love by, bring, by giving them the gospel, by inviting the church that's the greatest thing we can do for the sinner. But dear friends, we ought to show love to the saints. We ought to love one another. The greatest way we show that we are disciples is that when we choose as a body of Christ to love one another. How can I love one another? How can I love you? How can, how, can I pray for you? Can I, encourage you? can I encourage you? Can I see you when you're struggling? Say a word of, of, of encouragement or help or thanks. All these things we can do for one another. And I'm so thankful for this church and how it loves, for, loves one another. And we can continue to do those things. We should continue to see people who don't just come from the outside who, has, who have financial needs or difficult needs. We should care for our own people within the church. Because people within the church, there's always needs. There's always troubles there's always difficulties and we as a body must be always looking and asking God how can I help other people that are around me you can pray for them you can encourage them you can choose to be a friend to them you know what I heard the other day that our society today is the loneliest generation maybe in the history of the world we have all these great little gizmos and gadgets don't we we're connected on all these, on social media, and we can text and, and talk to one another and FaceTime one another from this place to anywhere in the entire world if they have Wi-Fi. But you know what? Even with all those gizmos and gadgets, we are the loneliest people in the world. Because I think sometimes we look at what people put on here and say, man, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could be there. Or I wish I could see that. And instead of being thankful for what they have, we sink into our own loneliness and say, man, I'll never have those things or I'll never possess that. I could never go there or I'll never have that. I'll never look like that. We focus on self instead of being thankful for what others have. Dear friends, there's a lot of people in the world, a lot of people in our, a lot of people in our town a lot of people, even in our own church, that need to know that we love them. When's the last time you told somebody outside your own family that you cared about them, that you appreciated them? When's the last time you did something special 
for them. You know what that takes? That takes being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and asking Him on a regular basis, Lord, show me how I can help another person. Show me how I can be an encouragement. Show me how I can be a blessing. Show what I can do for somebody today. Now, last time I talked to Brother Sikora, I went to saw him up there and by the health park. I said, how you doing, Brother Sikora? He said, I got another day to live. And every day I live, I get up and I say, Lord, what can I do for somebody today? 97 years old, he's asking God what he can do for somebody today. Oh, that I would have that same spirit at 47 <laughs> instead of 97. Oh, folks, how we need to love one another. I read a great example of, of love. I've been reading some war stories since this Memorial Day weekend. I read about a man by the name of Audie Murphy. He was from Texas, and he was just a kind of a run of a guy. He was like five, five and maybe 112 pounds. He couldn't get, the Navy wouldn't take him. The Marines wouldn't take him. Finally, the Army took him, and he went from, of course, being a private ultimate to a lieutenant, and then on January the 26th, 1945, his, his unit was in a French town called Hortwitz. He had 19 soldiers underneath him. And in that town, 250 Germans came upon them. And instead of them saying, okay, let's go all fight these guys, he said to his men, get back. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight them by myself. You get back behind me and I'll fight them while the airstrike came. And he stayed there and fought off all these Germans willing to risk his life instead of the lot, putting the, on the line the lives of these 19 men under his company. Oh, what great love this man had for his men. And oh, what great love we need to have for one another. And what great love these four men had for this person. It takes courageous, courageous compassion. But not only that, it takes fabulous faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not only kind of hard. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. I think oftentimes in life, we don't see God do great works in our life because we simply do not believe he will. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 13, 58, Jesus, were, uh, what, it, Jesus was in, in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 58, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because the people didn't believe. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in what he could do. He did not many works there. And simply, I believe many times we don't see God work because we don't believe that he will work. But the Bible says of this man and of the men who carried him, when, they, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oftentimes, we get caught up in our own fear. Fear of, of failure. Fear of not being able to do what we, we want to do. But folks, if we're going to accomplish anything, it's not going to be in our talent. It's not going to be in our abilities. It's not going to be in our knowledge. But it's going to be in God alone. He is the one that can help us. We can do only the possible. God can do the impossible. That's why the theme of our life should be trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
We need the faith of Abraham who was willing to take his son to Mount Moriah believing that God would raise him from the dead if he took his son's life. We need the faith of Esther who, was, who, who said, if I perish, I perish when she went before the king. We need the, the faith of Elijah who was willing to go up to Mount Carmel and face all the pagans believing that he and God made the majority. Folks, we need that faith. We need faith. We don't need just faith in faith. We need faith in God. Faith in God. You see, it's important to have faith. But if the object of your faith is false, we're in trouble. Years ago, we had a John Deere uh, carry-all around here. I don't even know how we got it or where we got it. And it was a wonderful thing because we've been wanting for years to have some type of vehicle where we could transport things from point A to point B. And we got this John Deere carrier, and it was a wonderful thing. The problem with it was it did not have brakes. Now, all my life, in every vehicle I've ever been in, the vehicle had brakes. I mean, it's just always, everything I've ever been in, it always had brakes. So, you know, when you press down, it stops. But on this vehicle, I press down, it didn't stop. And you know, you, you know this, and you know, everybody tells you, it doesn't have brakes. And you think, okay, it doesn't have brakes. But knowing it here and applying it here is two different things. So one day I got going, and I was out in the barn, and everything was going good. And I was heading to the barn, and I was going on my way, and I, was put, my foot in the, and I put my foot down, and I thought, oh, I'm going to stop. i got plenty of time. No brakes. And I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going, and I got to the back of the barn, but thankfully, I didn't get to the end of the back of the barn. Thankfully, there were shelves that stopped me. I went almost to the end of the back of the barn, pressing the whole time on the brakes, but there was no brakes there. And I learned a very important lesson. It's not, not just what you know, but what to do with what you know is very important. Man, the worst thing is I had to call Pastor Bill and say, um, I, I forgot the place, the thing did not have brakes. <laughs> I learned a very important lesson that day about knowing what to do and knowing what to do with this vehicle. It reminds me of the other day I was with my son, and after doing some work, he looked at me and said, Dad, I'm ready to play in some basketball. I think he thought he could, took, he could take me. And he's faster than me, and he's quicker than me, but he forgot one important thing. I got about 100 and <clears throat> some pounds on him, and he just not yet ready to take me in basketball. He's gotten good, but he's just not there yet. <laughs> we need courageous, we need courageous compassion. We need fabulous faith, but not only that, we have to persevere through perplexing problems. Man, we got problems in life. All of us have problems, right? Problems are common in the Christian life. The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We have problems because of sin. Titus 1.15 is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. The Lord Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We all struggle with sin. That's a common problem that we all have. The difficulties that we have. And sometimes it's easy in life to point out the problems in others than to focus on the problems that we don't have, right? I was talking to my family just the other day and, and, and they were chewing their food with they're chewing their food with their mouth open. And as I was correcting them to tell them, stop talking with your mouth full, I was talking with my mouth full, trying to correct them from not talking with their mouth full. 
We, we see our own problems and the problems we see in others and how difficult that is. But you know what? It's important that even though we have problems, that we persevere through the problems. These people had a problem. They had a problem because there was a crowd in front of the house, and they're in the house. And they could not get this man who was paralyzed in the house. So instead of saying, okay, we can't do it. And that's a typical response, right? Anytime we get to a place where there's resistance, we say to ourselves, well, I just can't do that. They use ingenuity. They use creativity. Usually houses back in those days were single, uh, single uh, layer houses, single uh, houses, single level houses. And they would have a thatch roof with tile on top of them. And what they would do, they would have an exterior uh, staircase. And they would go around that exterior staircase and they would, they would try to go through the thatch and they would go through the tile. And in this case, they went through the thatch and they went to the tile and they ultimately was able to lower down this man to Jesus. But they had resistance and they had problems. And dear friends, in times in life, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that we're going to have to push through and say, by God's grace, I can't do this on my own. But by, with other people, and with God's grace, we can do these things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.8, For we would, we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came upon us in Asia, that we pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Even the great Spurgeon had troubles. At 22 years of age, he was preaching to thousands of people. And someone said, as a prank, fire. And everybody ran out. Seven people were killed and 28 people were drastically injured. And his wife said, my beloved anguish was so deep and violent that reason seemed to totter in, his, in her throne and we sometimes feared that we would never preach, he would never preach again. But by the grace of God, he preached until he was 56 years of age. He kept going in the midst of defeat. He kept going in the midst of discouragement. And I'm sure these four men, when they, had the, when they start, first thought about getting this man and taking him to Jesus, I, I'm sure they probably thought of ways of doing it and, and, and how this was going to be done. And, and it'd be tempted to squabble and say, look, look, one person says do it this way and another person says do it this way. But they came together unified saying, we must get this person to Jesus. You must get him to Jesus. You know, we have great struggles, but we have a great God. The Bible says in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah 1.7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Yes, we have great troubles, great difficulties, but David said, is there not a cause? Dear friend, you may have a giant in front of you like David had in front of you, but your God is bigger than the giant. You and God do make a majority. And there's no telling what God can do in and through your life if you believe in him. Do you have courageous compassion? Do you have fabulous faith? Are you persistent in the, in the midst of the problems that you, that you go through on a regular basis? And finally this morning I see the fact that they stayed steadfast though they were questioned by sad skeptics. There were some scribes there in the, in the area, in the room, who basically were theologians who looked at Jesus and, and, and said, how can you forgive sins? Didn't you notice whenever you're trying to do the right thing, there's always a few people trying to discourage you and try to keep you from doing the right thing? Really, in life, we either are wall builders or we're bridge builders, right? A lot of times in life, somebody will say, let's do this. And obviously, you've got to think about it and plan it, prepare. 
But instead of automatically saying no, and sometimes that's just to our go-to word, isn't it? Before we even think about, let's try to plan this or, or think about this or do this, we want to say no. But let's think about how we can do it. If, these, if, if one of these men would have said yes and three of them would have said no, it never would have happened. But they all came together and they did it. And even though they were discouraged by these scribes who said to Jesus, you're a blasphemer. You can't, you can't heal this man's sin. It's impossible. It's impossible. What if that man would have heard that and gone into disbelief? These scribes, these Pharisees had great power. They had great influence. They could have believed the scribes and Pharisees and lost faith in Jesus altogether. But instead of believing what these men said, they believed in what Jesus said. And dear friends, a lot of times in life, people are going to tell you, do this, go here, say that, go there. But our eyes must be constantly fixed on Jesus Christ and do what he says and go where he wants us to go. And in that, there will be success if we'll trust him and trust him alone. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I love what D.O. Moody said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 12, and immediately he rose took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. It happened because four men believed in God and took their friend to Jesus. He was not only healed spirit physically, he was healed spiritually. Thank God for their compassion. Thank God for their faith. Thank God for their persistence. Thank God for their steadfastness that they're willing to get this person, this paralyzed person who could not help himself, they got him to Jesus. Last night I read from a book of the speech of speeches by President Ronald Reagan. In his first inaugural address, he spoke of a man by the name of Martin Treptow. In 1917, a small town barber went to France to fight among the famed Rainbow Division. On the Western Front, he died trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. But on his body was found a diary. And on the flyleaf of the diary was written these words, My pledge. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work. I will save. I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. Wow, what an attitude. What a sacrifice. I'm so thankful that because of the sacrifice of so many people, we can do what we're doing here today. And brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're going to do anything for eternity, it's going to take our sacrifice. It's going to take courageous love. 
It's going gonna, it's gonna to us say, it's us taking, not focusing on me or my time or, or my schedule or my things. It's going to take courageous love. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to take us having compassion and seeing someone in their need, in their trouble, in their difficulty, and going them to them, even when it, it may not seem right sometimes or may, might be awkward or, or difficult or strange. With compassion, we see them paralyzed spiritually and help them. It's going to take fabulous faith. It's not going to be just, well, I think I can, but by the grace of God, I believe in what God can do. And through me, he can do great things by the grace of God. It's going to take great compassion, fabulous faith. It's going to take us being, having perseverance, sticking through it, though they may have problems, and stay steadfast. Because there's always questions and questioners that will come questioning what we do for God. Dear friend, do we have that in our life? Do we have those attributes in our own life? Do we see people on a regular basis who are in deep need, that need our help? And if so, what are we doing? Not what we used to do, or by the grace of God, what we will do, but what are we doing today to help people who cannot help themselves. Let us pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.